type of praise. Come on, let's worship him. Jesus. Amen. You may be, you may return to your seats. If you have your Bibles, we're going to go to the book of St. Matthew's Gospel, the 11th chapter. I want to give honor to uh, everyone here tonight, the ministers, the preachers, and uh, I feel very honored to be here. I thank the committee of the youth division for the WPF, and um, amen. Counted a double privilege and honor to be standing here before you tonight. Um, amen. Glad to have my wife with me. Amen. And, you know, before we go any further, I really, I really, I really want to thank Holy Ghost Radio. Amen. Holy Ghost Radio is broadcasting this. I'm telling you, there's more people in this service than are in this building. And uh, I've talked to people today that said that uh, they've, they've started prayer meetings and got in their living rooms and prayed through and cried. And so this is really... Uh, this is far beyond what's going on in here, and that's all made possible by Holy Ghost Radio. So go visit him, amen. Go to his website, hit the donate button. I can't tell you how many times I've been outside of the country, and I'm far away from my home and my family, and, uh, and the only thing that comforts me is, is just slapping on Holy Ghost Radio and being able to hear a familiar sound, amen. Um, and so uh, tonight... I want to preach to you what I feel God has put on my heart. Now, I have, I have two rules when I preach. Number one, I keep it real. And, uh, I know this is a youth conference, but I'm not going to dumb it down. Kids are smart. I'm not going to cut it short. You spend hours on Facebook, Twitter, Xbox, <laughs> on the cell phone. I'm going to preach just about as long as I feel to preach. And if you lock up, I might go a little longer. <laughs> Amen. I give honor to Brother McClure. I got to preach between Brother McClure and Zach Wells and Brother Taylor. I kind of feel like a FUBU jacket in Louis Vuitton store, but uh, I'm going <laughs> to... Some of y'all don't know what FUBU is. That's all right. <laughs> Let's keep it that way. <laughs> Uh, all joking aside, uh, I'm going to preach my best. I don't got a B game. Some folks got a B game. You know, they preach according to the crowd. I'll preach just as hard at a home Bible study as I will to 4,000. Amen. There's no B games for Jesus. So when I preach, don't bring your B game. Amen. Somebody shout Jesus. Amen. I feel some. Book of Matthew, the 11th chapter, we'll go down to verse 21, and then we're going to go to the book of Mark, the 8th chapter. Amen. If you can't find it, just open your Bible and pretend. I think they'll have it on the screen here. Amen. Everybody ready? Matthew 11:21 says, Then began he to abrade the cities wherein most of his mighty works were done. Why? Because they repented not. Then Jesus says, Woe unto thee, Chorazin! Woe unto thee, Bethsaida! For if the mighty works which were done in you had been done in Tyre and Sidon, they would have repented long ago 
in sackcloth and in ashes. Turning your Bibles to the book of Mark, the eighth chapter, going down to verse 22, it says, And he cometh to Bethsaida, and they bring a blind man unto him, and besought him to touch him. And he took the blind man by the hand, and led him out of the town. And when he had spit on his eyes and put his hands upon him, he asked him if he saw aught. And he looked up and said, I see men as trees walking. After that, he put his hands again upon his eyes and made him look up. And he was restored and saw every man clearly. Look at verse 26. After Jesus has healed this man, he says, And he sent him away to his house, saying, Neither go back into the town, nor tell it to anyone in the town. After Jesus healed him, he says, I don't want you going back to Bethsaida. And I don't even want you talking to anybody in Bethsaida about what I've done. And with that thought in mind, I want to preach to you tonight on this topic, leaving Bethsaida behind. Leaving Bethsaida behind. Can we say that together? Leaving Bethsaida behind. Let's put our Bibles down and let's go to the Lord in prayer. Jesus, we love you. We appreciate you. We thank you for your sovereign presence in this house tonight. God, I'm asking you that you would anoint me in a mighty way to preach your word and to minister with grace unto the hearer. God, your word is anointed. I'm asking you to transfer that anointing onto me and then onto every person here because it is your anointing that destroys the yoke. God, I pray right now in the name of Jesus that you would bless this service with more of your presence, more of your power, more of your mercy, and more of your grace. And everybody shout a healthy amen. Shake your neighbor's hand. Give them a great big God bless you and you may be seated. We believe that there is only one God. Now, that is not what totally makes us unique. We are not unique because we believe in the singularity of God's essence. But what makes us rather unique is that we believe that that one God, that single God, manifested himself in flesh. He himself came in flesh. He did not send one-third of himself in flesh. He did not send Jehovah Jr. in flesh. He did not send the Archangel Michael in flesh. He himself came among us. And the scripture was fulfilled that his name shall be called Emmanuel, which being interpreted is God. God is with us. Now, we believe in the incarnation, as theologians have labeled it. Now, we believe in the incarnation because it is a doctrine, it is a teaching that emerges naturally out of the scriptures. It is not a scripture that was invented after the Bible was written, like so many many doctrines that are out there today. This doctrine emerges out of the text. most doctrines out there today, if you're, if, you're, if you're careful, you can actually trace them to their beginnings. But this doctrine came before time ever began. 
This is pre-Bible. This is pre-written word. This is pre-planet earth. This was the plan of God from the foundations of the earth. Now, a lot of people, uh, they get all muddled up with doctrine because... Uh, a lot of it, in fact, revolves around how old a doctrine might be. A lot of people feel that a doctrine is validated by its age, but really, we're not talking about... Well, let me stop here for just one second. I live in California, and there's a lot of palm trees in California. They've been there for well over a hundred years. But palm trees aren't from California. I visit Pastor Urshan to preach for him several times a year, and there's palm trees in California. But palm trees are not from California, from Florida either. They were planted there by somebody a long time ago. Now just because a doctrine has been around a long time does not make it valid. And you got to preach like this because you have silly apostolics, and I know some, that are thinking about going back to Catholicism, the Orthodox Greek Church, and all kinds of stuff because it's so old and, and it seems so ancient and so it must be valid. Brother, you got to go way beyond time. you got to go to the plan of God from the very... That is why I am apostolic because the doctrines preached here... They predate all that junk. Now, now something we have to understand about the incarnation is that it is something that God, God wants to show us in very clear terms. He, he in fact, He is doing this uh, from the very beginning of the Bible. And I know that, that you might be thinking to some degree that I'm saying a lot of this stuff for push button sake. I'm not. I, I'm, I'm going somewhere with all this. Now, now, from the very beginning of your Bible, the Bible begins to pulsate with God trying to impress upon the mind of the reader that there is coming a day when he will manifest himself in flesh. Uh, you might recall that as early as Genesis, already the, the incarnation and its redemptive work is bleeding through the text. Uh, and, I'll, and I'll just run through this very quickly. It's, it's, it's really quite amazing when you stop and you think about that what we see is humanity falling into sin. And all of a sudden, the God who seems absent during the whole scenario shows up out of nowhere. After humanity has fallen, when, it is, when it's in a mess, all of a sudden, God shows up. And contrary to popular belief, God doesn't show up angry and enraged. He shows up in mercy. God doesn't show up with his sleeves rolled up thinking, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to lay into these kids. No, friend, God shows up in mercy and in love. He cursed the earth. He cursed the serpent. He never did curse Adam and Eve. Amen. He punished them. But that's, there's nothing wrong with being punished by God because the scripture says that God chastens those whom he loves. I worry about people when they backslide and God leaves them alone. The worst thing that God could ever do to a person is leave them alone. If God is dealing with you about your sin, you ought to count your blessings. That means that God still loves you. That means that humanity falls into sin. God shows up and God, God yells out to Adam, Adam, where art thou? Now, God is not asking Adam where he is because Adam's good at making leafy aprons. 
God is trying to stimulate Adam to repentance. God doesn't gather, God doesn't answer questions in order to gather information. He's omniscient. He knows exactly where Adam is. He knows exactly, he wasn't trying to call Adam out of the bush. He was trying to call Adam out of sin. And he tells Adam, Adam, where art thou? And Adam responds to God, I was naked. I was naked and God, now God doesn't say this, but we can only assume this God answers back. I know you're naked. I made you that way. That is not the problem. I'm preaching to a bunch of young people tonight that you think the way you are is the problem. The way you are is not the problem. God made you that way. I'm telling you we're living in a world today where everybody is so image conscious. They they think that, that they're too fat. They think that they're too skinny. They think that they're too tall. They think that they're too short. They think that they're too smart. They think that they're too dumb. They think that the way God made them is the problem. They think that the way God made them is what's hindering God from being able to help them can I preach to you that the way you are is not what is hindering God from helping you God can help you whether you're fat you're skinny you're black you're white you're Asian God made you that way the way you are isn't holding up God's help God can help anybody God can help you in the condition you're in you don't need to wish you were somebody else you don't need to act like somebody else you don't need to preach like somebody else you don't need to sing like somebody else you don't need a dress like somebody else God can do something with you God I know a lot of people that feel that God could use them if they were just a little smarter if I was just a little smarter, God could do more with me. If, if I could just sing, God could do more with me. If I was just a little skinnier, God could do more with me. If I had the, 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 the right last name, God could do more with me. God's help wouldn't be hindered so much if I wasn't who I am. Oh, God help me preach right now. I'm reminded of the book of Job where Job is going through the most chaotic time in his life. He's lost it all. And all of a sudden, God talks to him. And the scripture specifically says that God talked to him out of the whirlwind. I came to preach to some young people that tonight God is going to talk to you out of the whirlwind. Your life is spinning out of control, and he's fixing to pull you out. Your life is spinning out of control, and he's fixing to speak a word into your situation tonight. Not tomorrow. He'll speak to you tomorrow, but he's going to speak to you tonight. God's fixing to get you out of the mess you're in but there's a couple of things that God wants you to understand first number one your problem is not bigger than God number number two nothing you are and nothing you do can stop God from helping you you got to get the devil off your back the Bible says that if any man is in Christ Jesus he is a new creature amen Paul went on to say amen when I look at myself I see a war in my members I'm a mess I do things I don't want to do I feel condemned but then in Romans chapter 8 he caveats all that and he says there is no condemnation to them that are in Christ Jesus and that walk not after the flesh but after the spirit you need to walk after the spirit of God and God says I didn't come to destroy men's lives I came to save men's lives I didn't come to condemn the world I came to
to save you. Come on, you got to get your fight back. You got to get your fight back. You, yeah, 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 yeah. you got to get out of that hole you're in, young person. You got to shake off the shame. Shake off the... Con- you know what makes a Picasso valuable? Not the fact that it's a painting. It's the fact that Picasso painted it. You know what makes a Rembrandt expensive is not the fact that it's a painting. It's the fact that Rembrandt painted it. What makes a Monet expensive is not the fact that it's a painting. It's the fact that Monet painted it. A master painted it. If the hand of God is on your life, you never lose your value. If the hand of God is on your life, it don't... Y'all ain't hearing me. If the hand of God is on your life, you can fall and get back up. If the hand of God is on your life, you can go to hell and back. If the hand of God is on your I can see now why the prophet said, rejoice not against me, O mine enemy. For when I fall, I shall arise. Not if I fall, but when I fall, I shall arise. And in darkness, in darkness, when I can't see, in darkness, the Lord shall be my light. Come on, get up, get up, get up. You know, God speaks to Job. This is amazing. God speaks to Job. Job's in a mess. God shows up and says, Job, 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 Job. (laughs) You know, real quick, this is free. A lot of times God doesn't answer our questions because quite frankly, we're asking the wrong question. The question isn't, Why am I so sick? The question is, why am I not sicker? The question is, why are you not dead? The question is not, why am I so broke? The question is, why aren't you broker? The question is not, why are my parents fighting all the time? The question is, why are they not divorced? When you start asking that question, all of a sudden you can look around and say, things ain't pretty, but I could see the hand of God. Because had it not been God, had it not been God, mama and daddy would have beat each other up a long time ago. Had it not been God, I would have lost my mind. Had it not been God, I would have died of an early child, adolescent diabetes, but God has kept me. Had it not been God, I wouldn't have walked through the chemo through the chemo at 12 years old had it not been God I never would have made it had it not been God I'd still be on Prozac and Zoloft had it not been God I never would have made it out of high school had it come on give him a praise give him a praise He's kept. 
God tells Job, he says, Job, you're asking the wrong question. He says, Job, let me talk to you about the ostrich. What is this, like 5,000 years? He said, let me talk to you about the ostrich. I made her the dumb bird she is. Job, she's so dumb that when she lays her eggs, she doesn't warm them with her feathers. She warms them in the dust. She's so dumb that she buries her eggs in the dust and then steps on them. She's so dumb that she forgets where she even laid those eggs. Here we are 5,000 years later and there's no shortage of ostriches yet. I'll have you know that ostriches are strong and well in spite of the dumbness of the ostrich. Y'all ain't hearing me. In spite of your ignorance, in spite of your dumbness, God can still... Come on, your mess up doesn't have God biting his nails, wondering what am I going to do with her. She's been making out with her boyfriend. God knows exactly what to do with you. What am I going to do with him? He's been backbiting his pastor. God knows exactly what to do with you. What am I... We serve a God of mercy. Everybody been preaching about Samson. Let me add my little caveat about Samson. Samson had both his eyes plucked out and he was walking in circles. The Bible said he was grinding at the mill. He was just walking in circles. He wasn't even going anywhere. Hair was cut. Eyes were plucked. But one day while on that mill, he touched his head and he noticed some hair growing back. And he said, it's time to get it on. My hair has... Yeah, 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 yeah. My hair... Somebody hair is growing back right now. It's time you make it up in your mind. I'm going out with a bang. I got one life to live and I'm giving it to Jesus. I got one life to live. Come on. Come on. You can slay more at your death than you can your whole life. You can have more. Come on, come on. I feel something. I feel it on the platform. I feel it. Yeah, 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 yeah. I was driving from Spokane, Washington to San Francisco, California, where I live. And uh, God spoke to me and told me to say this to somebody. The fact that you are running out the fact that you are half backslid. Let, let me tell you something about running out. Let me tell you something about hitting rock bottom. The Bible talks to us about a widow who had two copper coins which equal one penny. She was down to the bottom of the barrel. The Bible says she took that, those two copper coins and she dropped them in the offering box. Let me, I am no economist, but I know this much about money. The value of money is determined, number one, by governments, number two, by financial institutions, number three, by public confidence. This is why we call it finances. The word fi, you might hear the Marines say simplify, which means faith. 
Public confidence determines the worth of money. But when this woman dropped her penny in the offering box, none of that mattered. God said, those two pennies are worth more than everybody else has given. When you start running out, what you got left goes up in value. Brother Urshan, I'm half backslid. We'll take the half that's not backslid and worship God. Take that. I'm sick. We'll take the half that's not sick. Take what you got left over. It's got more value now than ever before. Take your two pennies and throw it at Jesus. Take your two. Come on. You can go from being half apostolic to apostolic. You You can go from being a fornicator to singing in the choir. You can go. But you got to get a hold of God. We need to worship Jesus right now. tell you something Adam and Eve rejected God's call to come out and repent so now there must be a blood sacrifice but where's a spirit gonna get blood so God finds himself an animal we don't know what kind we just know the condition of the animal we don't know the kind of animal we only know its condition it was innocent the animal wasn't gonna die because he was eating fruit he shouldn't eat It was going to be that animal's life for those humans' lives. I always trip out when people talk about wild animals. Animals aren't wild. Humans are. You'll never see a polar bear saying, you know, I'm I'm kind of itching for the desert. (laughs) You'll never see a fish say, you know what, I really want to climb that tree. In spite of what your high school professor teaches. They are domain dependent. They do exactly as they're told. They do it. It's humans that are wild. It's humans that do what they're not supposed to. It's humans that transgress, trespass. Animals are not the wild ones. We're the wild ones. And we need to get our wildness covered up. We need to get our wild. Bible, Bible says God, God slew that animal. God slew that animal and then he made them coats, not kuwats, not tank tops, not shorts, not clam diggers, not tidies. He made them coats. Come on, somebody. He made coats. Oh, you're going to make a clothesline message? You're right. Because if you're covered on the inside, you'll be covered on the outside. Everything in the Bible that was ever holy was covered. The Ark of the Covenant was covered. The priests were covered. When Jesus was naked and resurrected, they said they saw him clothed from head to foot. Everything holy is covered. And if the Apostle Paul made a big deal about women having their head covered, I believe he would have made a big deal about everything under the head being covered too. Oh yeah. God likes to cover it up. Your flesh is not your friend. Your flesh is not. 
when the prodigal came home the first thing the father did was cover him up he said I don't even want to see his feet I'm tired of what his flesh has done to him I'm tired of what you gotta get sick of your flesh you gotta I was nervous. I ain't nervous now. When he covered them with that animal, those three in that animal became fused. And now God saw more of the animal than he saw them. They were clothed in sacrifice. He saw more of that innocent animal than he did Adam's body. I just preach justification and you don't know it. God ain't looking on you. God's looking on the sacrifice of his son. The first death in the Bible was not Abel. It was that sacrifice. It was that sacrifice. That was the first thing. It was God didn't sacrifice that animal to give him food because man will not live by bread alone. He sacrificed that animal to give them salvation because they would wear that coat outside of paradise into the cold world. They'd be covered by the coat that God made into the cruel... you he loves you he loves you in spite of what your backslid friends tell you he loves you in spite of what the devil tells you he loves you in spite of what this world is telling you he we need to worship God right now till the chains fall off till the chains fall off feel that do you feel that do you feel that I feel that I feel condemnation coming off I feel pornography coming off I feel fornication coming off I feel the spirit of guilt coming off I feel shame coming off people are trying to please and impress God as if God doesn't know where they're living Psalms Psalms in Hebrew Psalms Tehalim literally means song or singing and you know what's interesting about the book of Psalms, Brother Urshan? Is that it's really more griping than it is singing. Brother Young, I got your CDs at home, but I ain't never heard you write some songs like David. What is it, Psalms 58 or 85, where David's talking about his enemies? He says, let them melt like snails. 
Brother Young is not going to be writing a song anytime soon. Let the snails melt. Let the snails melt. But David did. He said, I'm angry. I'm bitter. Folks are tripping on me. I'm getting backstabbed, front stabbed. It's, all, it's on. I don't even know who my friends are. They're turning on Facebook and Instagram. The girls are making fun of my poof and my skirt. I'm telling you, tonight is the service where you can go before God and say, God, I'm so angry. God, I'm so frustrated. Please help me. Get me out of this. Get me out of this. I'm done faking it. I'm done playing games. I'm done just running my mouth. I need you to turn my bitterness into praise. I need you to turn... because junk happens Naomi means Yahweh is sweet but after her kids died and her husband died and and Orpah walked out of her uh, walked out on her she came back and she said call me Mara which means bitter I went from God is sweet to I'm bitter Stuff happens. Stuff gets out of control. Our flesh takes over. The devil gets in there. You know, I know folks, they preach like, you can't blame the devil. Right, of course, you can't blame the devil. But let me tell you something about a child of God. When they mess up and when they're having issues, the devil gets involved. Every time. He, can, he don't care if, if the drunk tries to go dry. He does care if the apostolic tries to go dry. I don't know about you, but I just believe. You know, this is fascinating. A lot of, you know, a lot of, a lot of people think we think too high of ourselves. I contend we think too low of ourselves. (laughs) For the booker. There's a verse in the Bible, it's bizarre. God, God begins to look at his own people. He says, you are the apple of my eye. You know, I think about that. I just think about this big eye and apple in somebody's eye. It just doesn't make sense. Hermano Galindo, it gets even stranger in Spanish. He says, eres la niña de mi ojo. You are the girl in my eye. And then in Hebrew, it gets even worse. It's ishon ein which means you are the little man in my eye. What does that mean? If I sit here and stare at Joel long enough, there's a little man in my pupil. That's Joel. And God is saying, my eyes are on you all. God doesn't take his eyes off you. God's staring at you. 
He's intently fixed on you. He dotes over you. The center of the universe is not animals. He said, aren't you much greater than the birds? You're the center of the universe. The center of the universe is not trees and bushes. You are the center of the universe. Planet Earth is not even the center of the universe. You are... The universe is not even the center of the universe. You... Planets are not made in the image of God. You are made in the image of God. Animals are not made in the image of God. You are. He's not looking to throw you away. He's looking to bring you in. He's not looking to cast you out. He's. Lo- I'm going to preach until you believe this. There's a couple of backsliders here tonight. You need to believe this. You need to receive this. There's a resistance in your mind. I've been backslid for years. So what? You can come back right now. I've been messed up. So what? Come back, right? I'm so dumb to believe that if you're still alive, you can come back. If you're still breathing, you can come back. If you're at peak 2013, you can come. Now, you know what, you can be seated. Is this okay? Now you can stand if you want to, but I'm gonna be a while. Now, with the incarnation, why am I making such a big deal about the incarnation? Because the incarnation gives us new and unprecedented access into how God operates as a human, among humans, and on the behalf of humans. Real quick point of theology. Jesus is not an elf. He's, he's, He's not a hobbit. He's not a mutant. Now, what is a hobbit, an elf, or a mutant? They're things that look human, but they're not really human. They're like half human. Jesus wasn't half man, half God. He was all man, all God. This is a big deal, because that means he knows how you feel. If he was half God, he would think you're tripping half the time. If he was half man, he would think you're crazy. But because he's all man, he knows exactly what you're going through. The Bible says we have not a high priest who cannot be touched with the feeling of our infirmities. A negative times a negative makes a positive. So what it's really saying, we have a high priest that can be touched by the feeling of our infirmities. That word doesn't mean sickness or flu. That word means your hiccups, your sins, your... He had flesh just like your flesh. He's all man. He's all God. But what's, what's, amazing, what's amazing about the incarnation is that it gives us unprecedented access into how God moves and operates among humans. When you read the accounts of Jesus doing miracles, you don't have to wonder what would Jesus do. You know what Jesus would do. 
I mean, even you even get moments where God just like spills out. Woman comes to him saying, please heal me. He said, it's not meat to give my bread to the dogs. I mean, he just speaks his mind. We see that there are certain things, even as God, there are certain atmospheres and climates that he will not cooperate on any level with. God can do anything at any time. But what the incarnation teaches us is that when God moves among humans, the things that humans produce in regard to atmospheres and climates and ways of thinking, there are certain of those, those ways that he will not cooperate with. Let me tell you why I'm saying that. A lot of people think, oh, he's, he's about to preach against fresh air right now. <laughs> there are certain atmospheres that God will not do a miracle in because they do not they do not harbor healing. If he were to heal you in that atmosphere and you went back to it, you'd get sick again. You'd end up bad again. You'd end up backslid again. There's certain atmospheres God will not cooperate with. Matthew chapter 13 tells us that he could not do many mighty miracles in Galilee because of their unbelief. He was no less God, no less powerful, but he said, I will not cooperate with that. Oh, I can, but I won't. You need to remember, God is a person. He has the right to not participate. He's not your puppet. He's not Santa Claus. He's not a genie. He is not bound. He will do as he sees fit. I'm preaching to some of you. The reason God's not doing a miracle in your life, it's not because he's resisting you. He's resisting the situation you're in. He's resisting your boyfriend. He's resisting your girlfriend. He's resisting those people you hang out with. He's resisting that house you live in. He's resisting that music you listen to. He's... And he ain't doing nothing till you come out. I got my landing gear out. Don't worry. Nothing brings that idea into clearer focus than here in Bethesda. At one point, God loves Bethesda. He's doing all kinds of miracles in Bethesda. The greatest, the mightiest of his miracles are done in Bethesda. And then all of a sudden, Bethesda gets funny. I don't know what they did. Bethesda and Beth and Saida means house of fishermen. I don't know. Things were just getting fishy in Bethesda. He didn't, he didn't like it. You know, anywhere fishermen hang out can't be good. <laughs> yeah. Well, hell, I thought that was funny. Wait till you meet a couple of fishermen. Here's this man, he's blind. He needs a healing. Jesus says, not here. In fact, the Bible says, 
that Jesus grabs him by the hand. And he brings him out of the town. And the minute that guy was willing to be led out of the town, Jesus laid his hands on him. Well, let me stop here. Jesus spit on him. And I don't care if it's 2,000 years ago or today. Being spit on requires a lot of humility. If you're ever going to get the deliverance you need, if you're ever going to get the miracle you need, it's going to require a little bit of humility on your part. You're going to have to let Jesus do whatever he wants to do. Take away whatever he wants. First thing that's got to go is your ego. First thing that's got to go is you. You know what your issue is? It's you. You need to kick your attitude to the curb. You need to... You know, it's amazing. It's amazing. You have all these people that want to do all kinds of great and grandiose things. And they can't make up their mind about anything. You can't change the world always changing your mind. If somebody walked around with their eyes open 24 hours a day, you'd think they were strange. If anybody walked around with their mouth open 24 hours a day, you would think they were strange. The eyes and the mouth benefit from closing. You can only chew when you close your mouth. Your eyes only are moisturized when you blink. I think it's strange people who walk around with their mind open 24 hours a day. The Bible doesn't say to have an open mind. It says to gird up. Tie up. Once you know something's true, don't move. Once you know it's... And don't let your emergent, funny, duddy, charismatic friend tell you otherwise. Make up your mind and then change the world. Make up your mind and then do outreach. Make up your mind about what you believe. need an open mind you need a closed mind you need to get on the narrow path you need to make hey there's only one animal on planet earth that's got two hearts it's the octopus god don't want octopuses god wants humans with one heart with one god with one desire with one faith Jesus takes this man by the hand, takes him out of Bethsaida, lays it, spits on the man, spits on him. Lays his hands on him. The man's eyes, and I'm just going through this quickly, the man's eyes open. And then Jesus says, don't go back. Listen. Listen. I was born at night, not last night. This ain't my first rodeo. You don't know who I am. You know, I don't know who you are either, so chill. <laughs> but I've, I've preached from Canada to Argentina. And I've been in enough youth conferences, enough revivals to know, and I love you, and I'm glad you're here. Chubby is on your side. <laughs> but there are people up in here shouting and you got a mess in your mind. 
there are people in here shouting and you're thinking about making it out with your boyfriend as I'm preaching. There are people up in here. But you know, that, that doesn't bother me. You know, folks, so many backslid Pentecostals make such a big deal about hypocrites. Yeah. I left the church because there's hypocrites. Well, you better leave planet Earth because they're over there too. And if you find the perfect church, stay out of it. You'll mess it up. You know what, Brother Wilbanks? I know for a fact that there are dentists that got cavities. And I've met a lot of mechanics that got some busted rides. But if my tooth hurts, I don't care if he's a toothless dentist. I'm going to go get my teeth fixed. If my car breaks down and he'll fix it for the right price, I don't care if he rides a bike. But when it comes to church, we get all touchy. We wear our... You need to get over that attitude. There's hypocrites everywhere. There's hypocrites in the church. There's hypocrites in the street. There's hypocrites at McDonald's. There's hypocrites at the library. There's hypocrites at school. There's But only here in the church can you stay safe. Only here in the church. Get over your attitude. Get over your bitterness and jump into the presence of God. He's still here. He... Come on, somebody. You need to shake that stuff off your... If your mind is all twisted and warped, you're in the right place, friend. First place the blood of Jesus ever fell was on Golgotha, which means skull. The first place the blood of Jesus ever fell was on the mind. The blood of Jesus can set your mind straight. The blood of Jesus can rectify your thoughts. He may not save a bunch of other stuff, but he'll put you in your right mind just long enough to pray through. But you gotta let him take you out of Bethesda. And you gotta make it up in your mind, I'm not going back. If you'll walk me up out of here, I promise I'll never go back. If you help me throw away these CDs. I'll never download them again. I'll never buy them again. If you help if you help me break up with Tommy, I'll never go back to Tommy. If you help me dump Lisa, I'll never go back to Lisa. If you... I'm tell... He can do it, Brother Buxton. The Bible says, delight yourself in the Lord. He shall give you the desires of your heart. It's not talking about Cadillacs and mink coats. It's not talking about juicy couture in Louis Vuitton. It's talking about the desires of your heart. He'll give you new feelings. 
He'll give you the desires of your heart. I didn't used to want to go to church. Now you can't keep me out. Let me tell you something about the house of God. It's the only place worth getting lost in. It's the only place Jesus ever got lost in. As a young person. As a young person, you want to get lost in the house of God. People ought to be looking for you. Even mama and daddy. Even mama and dad. You ought to start a prayer life that makes mama nervous. You ought to start a prayer life that makes your daddy nervous. You ought to get so close to your pastor that it makes your backslid, charismatic, gone aunt nervous. You ought to get so close to... There's people here. God's trying to pull you out of a Bethesda relationship. Bethsaida relationship. Yes, I came to preach to you that the person you're dating is the wrong person. Yes, I'm talking to you. I'm texting you. I'm sending you telepathic messages. Yes, this me- don't sit there and wonder, is he talking to me? I'm talking to you. Don't sit there and wonder, is this me? Yeah, yes, this message is for you. Yeah. If you got to override your pastor for Tommy, Tommy ain't the will of God. If you got to override your pastor for Lisa, Lisa ain't the will of God. If you got to override the Bible, it ain't the will of God. Not today, not to. You know, I, I live in the Bay Area. I live in California. I, you know, we don't see a lot of cowboys there. But, but, I, but I was thinking about cowboys today. And you know, cowboys, one of their distinctive features is that they wear cowboy hats. You, you almost can't be a cowboy without a cowboy hat. It's like mandatory. But you know, if a cowboy puts on a baseball hat, that doesn't make that baseball hat a cowboy hat. You can't make something the will of God that is not the will of God. I don't care what you put on it. I don't care how you try to dress it up. I don't care how much you try to modify it. I don't care how much you try to say God talk to you. If it ain't the will of God, God's not talking. Don't blame God. We need to worship God. The Holy Ghost is moving right here. We need to... I'm telling you. I'm telling you. You know, quite frankly, you know what bothers a lot of people about God is 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 how shrewd he is. I mean, Jesus is shrewd, homie. You're talking about a God that speaks highly of a woman who turns her house upside down to find one penny. You're talking about a guy who commends a pastor who leaves 99 to go get one. 
I mean, God is shrewd. That one, that's mine. He fed 5,000, had a bunch of leftovers. Before he stepped off the scene, he said, where's my food? You know, this, you know, we haven't really been giving a lot of shout outs to the parents. Let me tell you something. That little kid who gave Jesus his lunch, he gets too much credit. Who packed that lunch? Somebody needs to give mama a shout out. Because there would not have been a miracle had mama not packed the lunch. Thank you, mom, for bringing these kids to peak. Thank you, daddy. It's all you can do. It's enough. God can do a miracle. God can do a miracle. But Brother Prado, my other child backslid. Give God what you got left. The value of that kid just went up. Come on, somebody. God is, is restrictive. He don't share his stuff with nobody. A lot of people don't like that. Can, can I finish here? Okay. Now some of you, some of you have heard this. So there's a lot of people here. You hear me, but somebody needs to hear this. You interpret this however you want, okay? I feel very comfortable right now. You interpret this however you want. Joe, I, I used to be in a rap group. I used to rap. I was good. I mean, I did concerts, had a little radio show. They still sell my stuff on the internet and I don't get no money. I don't want no money. I left Bethsaida. I don't want its money. I don't want its fame. Now, I... I'm probably going to mess with some people's head, but here we go. So, you know, I, I got friends, you know, rap doesn't really bother them. But, but, but it bothers me. You know, you know no, no, it bothers me in the sense that I kind of like it, but I don't listen to it. That's part of being a Christian is overcoming your passions. Oh, I know some stuffy person is thinking, I can't believe he still likes that. You still like stuff too, bro. You need to pray through. Let's go ahead and be real. So, so I got to praying, you know, I got to praying because if, 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 you know, God's okay with rap, I wouldn't mind picking me up some CDs again. You know, we'll, we'll do it the Christian flavor though. So I started praying. The highest standard you can ever have in your life, young person, is a prayer life. If you want to know if something is wrong, get on your knees and go ahead and ask God. Quit arguing, fussing with folks. Get on your knees. Pray about it. Pray about it. That's a standard right there. Pray about it. Get up. Say, Jesus, what do you think about this? He is a talking God. He... You know who overcomes in the Bible? The talkers. The people that talk. Every time Moses had a problem, he talked to God about it. 2,000 plus years after he died and Jesus transcended on the Mount of Figuration, what was Moses doing? He was still talking to Jesus. Don't ever stop talking to Jesus. Keep on talking. Keep on talking. If you keep talking, if you keep, 
Moses kept talking and he couldn't even talk. That was better preaching. That was good preaching. You didn't even like that. So, 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 so I started praying, God, God, what do you think about this rap? Can I get some? Can I get some? And all of a sudden, God brought to my memory something. As I was praying, you know, when Israel was in Egypt, they had 27 different kinds of bread that they could produce. The Egyptians. I mean, they had cheesy bread, garlic bread. Mm. <laughs> they had pita bread. They had white bread. They had brown bread, whole grain, stuff without crust, stuff with crust. But when they left Egypt, they got one kind of bread. It was called mana. In Hebrew, ma means what? They got that bread. They said, what? For real? It's not about diversity. It's not about being eccentric. It's not about having, having multiple choices. The question is, does it come from heaven? And stuff that comes from heaven, it comes one way. It, it comes in one flavor, holiness. It comes... You need to take that music aside and say, God, did this come from heaven? I don't care if you bought it at the Christian bookstore. The question is, does this come from heaven? I don't... God don't need gangster rap for Jesus. God don't need... God don't... God don't need heavy metal for Jesus. God don't need R&B love songs for Jesus. God don't need oldies for Jesus. He's got his own brand. He's got his own genre. He's got his own flavor and style. It might be a little bland, but brother, it'll get you to heaven. It might... Oh, it's, I, feel, I feel a little snag right there. You feel that? You see, what happens when you've been in church too long and overexposed, oversaturated, you become jaded. Solomon received all he could from God, and then he looked at it all and said, there's nothing new under the sun. Sung that song. Been to that conference. But thank God for Jeremiah, who said his mercies are new. <laughs> you need to get over it, pray through. And when you pray through, I'm telling you, old songs will sound new again. When you pray through, when you pray through, you can hear it a hundred times and still cry. The song's not the problem, you're the problem. The worship's not the problem, you're the problem. The conference isn't the problem, you're the problem. I'm not gonna let you get out of here blaming God. You need to accept some responsibility.
I should stop. There's people here, you got to come out of Bethsaida. For some of you, Bethsaida may not be a boyfriend, a girlfriend, or a group of friends. For some of you, it's a state of mind. Jesus don't want cholos for Jesus. He don't want vatos for Jesus. He don't want thugs for Jesus. He don't want emo for Jesus. He don't want goth for Jesus. Uh, he don't want hippie for Jesus. He wants. He wants you to come out. He wants you to come out. He wants. Some of you young people need to quit thinking a certain way. The purpose of a good education is not to learn, it's to unlearn. And Christianity is its own education. And when you come to God, everybody, everybody has something to unlearn. Hey, the Bible doesn't just say we're all sinners, it says we're all fools. See, you know, in, in, world, in secular circles, everybody's not stupid. In secular circles, you have the elite, the upper echelon of the educational world, the ivory tower, and then you have the common people. But everybody in God's eyes is dumb. All the smart people ain't clapping. Don't clap too loud. Somebody might think you're dumb. <laughs> Paul said it this way. He said, where is the wise? He said, I'll destroy the wisdom of the wise and I'll bring to naught the prudent. That word prudent means intelligent. When you, when you line everybody up to God, everybody's ignorant. When you line everybody up, this is something, this is why people who come to church need to humble themselves because you might have more degrees than a thermometer and somebody who just made it out of sixth grade under the Holy Ghost can rebuke you uh, and tell you where you're living uh, and you're going to have to receive it because the source of intelligence is not a degree. Uh, it's the almighty God. Uh, and I know pompous, arrogant young people that will not listen to their pastor because they think they're smarter than their pastor. You might be smarter than your pastor, but when the Holy Ghost gets in the mix, you might be better to add, you might be able to, listen, my dad is smarter than your dad. My dad is a biophysicist. He works for the United Nations. My dad is smarter than your dad. My dad taught himself how to read. That's how smart my dad is. At four. 
My dad was groomed in the Jesuit schools. My dad has, sit, has sat and had dinner with Nobel laureates. My dad had this, 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 this bad habit of calling me when I got saved and asking me, are you really happy? Are you really sure you want to keep doing this the rest of your life? You know, there are other gods. You know, there are other ways of thinking. You know, you got to have an open mind. But let me tell you right now, and without dishonoring my dad, because he's still my dad, I love my dad. I'm not going to dishonor him. But let me tell you this. I've been around enough smart people, including my dad, to, to tell you that there's a lot of smart people that do dumb things. So don't you go off thinking, because you got a big brain. People don't like God's restriction. They don't like it. They don't like it. We need to pray right here just for one second, and I'm going to finish. I promise. I'm done. Let's pray. Let's just stop right here. Let's, let's hit the pause button and pray right now. Right here, right now, some people need to come out of Bethsaida right now. You need to come out, you need to come out, you need to come out, you need to come out. You need to come out. You can make up your right, you can make up your mind right now that you're never going back. You can make it up in your mind right now. God, I'm going to allow you to pull me out of this lifestyle. I'm telling you, some of you got to change the way that you think. Come on. Oh God. Oh God. I feel people coming out of a state of mind right now. Listen, I'm going to stop right here. Last statement of the night. Now some people don't always relate with where I come from. And so there's this sector of the church, you're raised in church. It's kind of easy to do dramatic turnarounds when you realize the mess that you're in. But what do you do when you're not in a mess? What's my option there? I understand why Brother Prado came to God. I understand why he threw away his rap CDs. But what about me? I'm a good, I'm a good kid. I dream about cupcakes and ponies all day. I'm good. 
Well, Jesus came across a good kid. And he realized this kid don't got nothing to repent about. From his youth, he's obeyed all the commandments. He's blessed. He's rich. And what did Jesus do for that kid? He created attention. That's why I appreciate Hope Corps, because it creates attention. Where kids, even good kids, have to choose. I'm good. I've been tithing since I was a kid. I'm blessed. And God says, well, how about this year? You don't buy a purse. That's what God does with good kids. He creates attention. There's kids. There's good kids right here. You, you, I'm, and this is not, they didn't tell me to do this. Nobody asked me to do this. And I'm not trying to get pats on the back from anybody. I got better things to do. But there's kids here, you pass up the tension. You're always passing up the tension. Your pastor, your church gets into a building program and you pass up the tension. There's young ladies here, it's either Hope Corps or a couple more new purses, a couple more new outfits, a, a, a brand new car, and you pass up the tension. And if you're not careful, mama and daddy will back you up on the backup. It's okay, sweetheart. You don't need to go to Honduras. You know, you know, they all went and they're getting weird diseases from getting bit from mosquitoes. You don't want that. Come on. Just stay home. I don't like that chubby guy. If Tommy and Lisa keep passing up the tension, and see, it's tension that God creates. No, 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 no. God didn't create that. The steering committee created that. No, 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 no. God created that. You know, don't give me this, don't give me this junk like I don't got the money. You got all kinds of money. You got the money. I know for a fact, I know for a fact, there's more than one person in here under the age of 35 that's a missionary. And they're passing up on all kinds of stuff to live in that tension. Because there's nothing like living in the tension. I have a little two-year-old daughter. We're going to raise her for the day when the tension comes. She's going to dream about ponies and cupcakes and do Bible quizzing, but we're getting her ready for the day the tension comes.
Bible says time and chance happens to all men. We think, we think of chance as a great opportunity for a new job, a great opportunity to get a new dress, a great opportunity to get a new pair of Nike Air Maxes, a great opportunity to get a brand new... Oh, no, 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 no. God says a great opportunity to speak to somebody who doesn't even talk your language. A great opportunity to make it up in your mind that you're not going that way, you're going this way. A great opportunity to quit going back and forth on whether the apostolic doctrine is true and actually get outside your house and start preaching the doctrine. It never ceases to amaze me the folks that get funny. The folks that get funny, you go look at their lives. You really go back and you inspect their lives. All they were doing was sitting at home, doubting all day. Living in this perpetual state of Cartesian doubt, just examining everything. Let me tell you something, people in ivory towers don't determine whether the apostolic doctrine is true. Sinners determine whether the apostolic doctrine is true. You get out there. Brother Booker, you know where the apostolic doctrine found me? I was 18 years old working at a tattoo shop. I had piercings in my face. I looked like I fell in a toolbox. I didn't believe in God. I hated God. I wasn't raised near a church. But somebody gave way to the tension. Somebody said, I'm going to take this and I'm going to put it on that pierce-faced, tattooed, rapping, drug addict, suicidal, depressant, and see what it will do. Come on, somebody. Let's pray right now. All across this building. Somebody needs to go back and get some applications for Hope Corps. There's some parents you need to release your children right now. You need to raise up your hands and say, I'm going to quit trying to protect my kids all the time. Jesus, they're yours. Oh my God. Come on, this is the altar call. I'm done preaching. I'm sorry I took so long, but I'm telling you, God is in this house. I'm telling you right now, there's some parents, you need to come down and get an application for Hope Corps and then hand it to your kid and let them know.